and welcome to Earworm. I'm your co-host Mimi. And I'm your co-host Keegan. <laughs> and this, like she, Mimi said, is Earworms, a podcast for the things you just can't seem to get out of your head. This week is going to be a continuation from last week. We d- talked about it a little bit more. Instead of talking about heroes that we don't like, we decided instead it would be more fun to talk about villains that we enjoy. So this week's episode is our top five villains and i went first with the heroes last week are you wanting to go first this week or do you want to keep the i can pattern go going? first oh, um i think last time we had like more of a rubric for heroes this time we just said if they are a bad guy <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> okay so my again in no like particular order i guess um okay my number five is electro from the amazing spider-man 2 Ooh, nice. Electrifying. Um, in case you don't remember him, um, this is a bit of a spoiler, but that movie's been out for like seven years now. Um, <laughs> it's, on, it's on you at this It's point. on you, yeah. Electro starts off as Max Dillon, I want to say is his name was. Yeah, it's Maxwell Max Dillon. Um, and he's just kind of like the custodial man um, at Oscorp. And... He feels like a nobody. One day, Spider-Man saves him. And he's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you saved me. I'm just a nobody. And Spider-Man's response is, no, you're not a nobody. Like, you're my eyes and ears in the street, Max. Yeah. Um, He had a name tag on, which is how, like, Spider-Man knew his name. But Max didn't, like, recognize that. He was just like, oh, shoot, Spider-Man knows my name. So after that encounter, he thought of himself as, like, Spider-Man's personal accomplice. And so he kind of grew this large, like, infatuation, obsession with Spider-Man for a bit um, until he became Electro. And he became Electro because it was his birthday. His mom for even forgot his birthday. Um, and he was called... <laughs> a true origin story for a villain. <laughs> yeah. And he was called into work and he had to, like, fix something in the vents. And I can't remember the exact scene, but he, like, fixes it and the vent breaks so he falls through the ceiling into with cables so he has electrical wires he falls into a vat of electric eels yeah and there's like an overcharge and he pops out this like transparent blue color gotta be careful Um, where you fall (laughs) you gotta be careful where you fall a reference to the newest spider-man and he's a transformed electrical hero and then he goes off to be a villain. He doesn't start off initially bad. It's like Spider-Man defeats him in Times Square and he becomes embarrassed. And he's sent to, oh shoot, what's the name? It's it's like the prison for all the bad guys in that universe. Um, in, the spi- in the Marvel universe? In the, yeah, Marvel Spider universe. I feel like uh, there's a couple of them. <laughs> uh, could it be Arkham? Is Arkham the no, name No, Arkham's Batman's. The Marvel universe has like... No, Quantum Realm Superman. Um, oh, boy. Oh, it's called Ravencroft, I just found Ravencroft. It. That's, That's a good name. That, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> Another animal named themed thing to fight Spider-Man. Yes, and so he's sent to prison there. So that prison isn't fighting Spider-Man. That's just the name of the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and there he is and air Harry Osborn breakout, Harry Osborn being the Green Goblin. And he kind of gets into Electro's head and makes him become... A villain in a sense of hey you know if you want to be seen if you want to be noticed this is the way to do it kill spider-man um mm. 
Yeah, so I love the actor. It's Jamie Foxx. I love the music about it comes to that movie. I think I've now mentioned that movie like three times in this whole podcast. Yeah. Um, really good. And I do just kind of like the concept of innocent man, not necessarily like turning villain, but being tricked into being a villain. So yeah. yeah. Very good. I like that. Um, cutting away from someone who who is arguably a villain and tricked to villainy to someone on my list who definitely is a villain because he succeeds in his mission to destroy the world on multiple iterations and games. Oh um, man, is it is it Groot from Despicable Me? <laughs> no, it's not Groot from Despicable Me. Uh, my number five is Ganon slash Ganondorf, which is the main villain of the Legend of Zelda game series. Is that the one that looks like Garfield and Smash Bros? No. No, that's Incineroar. <laughs> ah, rats. No, Ganon is a big elf-looking dude with bright red hair, really dark skin from his desert tribe people. Uh, and his goal in all the games and all of his iterations is always to kid kidnap Princess Zelda and steal the tri- piece of the Triforce and convince other monsters to hold onto the pieces of Triforce for him so he can rule the world, essentially. And in most of the games, he does successfully take over, and that's, like, the actual plot of the game is, uh-oh, whoops, our hero slept in while the world was taken over, and now you gotta go fix it, is a lot of the times what, how you're dealing with him. He's the main antagonist to Link. He has the Triforce of power on him with it's just like imbued in his like left hand a lot of the time Which makes it so like he can't be killed by anything except for the one legendary weapon That of course no one will know how to find because it's been missing for centuries And then that's how that's your objective in the game is find that sword and stab that dude because he sometimes looks like a human and other times Looks like a gigantic pig. <laughs> okay, I was about to get into that. So I'm unfamiliar with the Zelda franchise. Um, so I took a look and... Okay, so he's either this like boorish creature or he's a human? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Is there a reason for that? Yeah, so it's like his human form is called Ganondorf. And that's like his name he grew up with and stuff in his desert tribe in the Gerudo, des- Gerudo Desert. And then it's like there's the demon entity of Ganon that whispers to him in his sleep and goes, hey, our names are kind of similar. Let's team up and take over the world. And if you team up with me, I'll give you the Triforce of Power. And then he always makes the deal with the demon thing and the demon thing like takes over. And that's the big final boss of many of the games is the gigantic pig demon monster known as Ganon. So was... I think you just answered the question, but I'm not sure. Was Ganon, like, born evil, or was he turned evil? Like, is he just always the big bad? Do the games go into that? Um, (laughs) the games kind of go into that, but the lore of Legend of Zelda isn't the most straightforward, and it contradicts itself all the time. Uh, For the most part, it looks like, for story purposes, he was a bad person from beginning to end. He just always is bad. So he just got, like, more powerful. Yeah. There is speculation with the new Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 game that's going to be coming out in the future at some point from the trailer. It's not clear if he's still a bad guy because that game will take place right after Breath of the Wild 1, which you kill Ganon. But from the trailer, it looks like Ganondorf is still alive, but the demon Ganon was killed. How long has Breath of the Wild 1 been out? Oh, that came out 
It's an old game, right? It is at this point an old game, though it doesn't feel like it because it is still very good at its graphics and playing it just feels fluid and everything still doesn't feel like an old game. But Breath of the Wild came out in March of 2017 is when Breath of the Wild came out. Oh, so it's not like an ancient game because I just feel like I've been hearing about Breath of the Wild for forever. Yeah. Um, So it feels like that's a game that came out in like 2000 or in like 1980 or something like that. But it's like a newer old game. Yeah, newer old game. And like I said, they're... They have the second one, but it's the weird thing where Nintendo, like, has it, but they don't want to release it yet, because if they release all their games at once, then no one's going to buy their games, so they have to, like, They have to starve the people. Yeah, they have to get us starved and hungry for that next Zelda game. And when it comes out, uh, it's going to be a good game, probably. But yeah, that's my number five villain for this week. Ganon slash Ganondorf. All right. Um, my number four top villain of all time would be Heath Ledger's Joker. Ooh, nice. Is that Excellent on your choice. list? It is not, but oh, okay. it was, it's an honorable mention for me, for sure. <laughs> I didn't really look into the Joker story that much to give you as much as a history like I did Electro, just because I feel like Joker's a little bit better well-known. Um, if you want us to go into the history, I can we can do a cut into that later, because I don't know it right now. <laughs> but I love Heath Ledger's Joker. I just feel like he did it very well. I love the concept of that character truly just being insane. I think it's the second Batman where he puts the two people on boats. Yeah. That one, ah, it's a remarkable scene. And it's really interesting because he kind of feeds into this like, oh, well, everyone's inherently evil. Like everyone will always choose what's in the best interest for them. And then that scene kind of like shows him that you can't play God in a sense. Yeah. I love it. I think my favorite, if the Batman trilogy has been out for a while. So if you, so this is definitely a spoiler, but it's on you at this point. Um, but my favorite thing that shows like how menacing the Joker is, is it's the very beginning of one of the Batman movies. I think it's the first one. No, it's the second one I want to say, but it's um, Joker and all of his goons robbing the bank. And it starts off with like 10, for example. Um, And like they enter the bank and they shoot everyone. And then they get into the room where the money is and they grab all the money, put it in bags. And it's like goon number 10 kills goon Goon number number nine. nine. Since he was instructed to kill goon nine, they go and unlock like a security thing. So Goon number eight kills number nine because he was instructed, hey, once this guy is like done his job, kill him. Yeah. And it just keeps going back and forth, back and forth until goon number two two kills (laughs) goon number three. And he's there at their escape bus and they're like, okay, what are you like? I just killed him off. What are you going to do? Oh, I'm supposed to kill the bus driver. Wait, then how are we going to get out? And then the bus driver, which is goon number one, takes off his mask and boom, it's the Joker, Joker the killing Goon 2. And it's so good how they show how like intricately thought out his plans are, but also how he's able to kind of just like trick a mass. Just because you have 10 goons who were all told, hey, kill the next person after you, so that way we have more money. But mm-hmm. none of those little goons stop to think, wait, like if I'm being instructed to kill someone, someone's probably going to be instructed to kill me. Yeah, and none of them had that foresight because they all were just distracted by money 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 (laughs) right there in front of them um and i specifically say heath ledger's joker just because i i think we've watched halfway through the joaquin phoenix joker 
it's all right. I do like the different take on um, the Harley Quinn Joker is just a lot more. What's the word? Um, vulgar. Un yeah. Vulgar, vulgar, unhinged, unenjoyable <laughs> than that one. And I just, I love it. Great, great villain, great concept. It's almost the type of villain where you yourself are like, yeah, I kind of agree with what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. That's my favorite type of antagonist that can kind of like trick the audience in a sense into being like, well, your point of view isn't entirely wrong. It's just the way you're executing it is objectively horrible. Yeah. Good villains. All right. What is your out number four? Did you kick something? I table? kicked my toe. Oh, be careful again. All right. Uh, my number three, no, four, three, four, four. villain <laughs> is a character from the Marvel Universe known as Kingpin. Kingson, a.k.a. Wilson Grant Fisk, is a supervillain from uh, Marvel Comics. Was first introduced as an opponent to um, Spider-Man. He's just a very big dude. If you've seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, he's that guy. The absolute unit of a man who he's wears a square, suit. He's the square, right? Yeah, he's a square. And that is a dramatic representation of him, but it's pretty standard for what he looks like in all of his different iterations, whether it's comic or live action. It is always a big man with a bald head who wears suits and has a lot of money. And he kind of, he's called the Kingpin because he is in charge of all of the drug dealings, all of the mafia, etc., etc., etc. that goes on in New York City. So originally he was Spider-Man's main villain, but then it kind of changed over time. And now his main opponent is Daredevil um, from... Again, Marvel Comics Daredevil, and uh, he also fights the Punisher a lot. So a lot of the times he runs into those low-level, street-level villains, <laughs> um, but he is an absolute menace. Um, he is not afraid to get his own hands dirty when it comes to fighting people <laughs> in general. So if other villains, I don't know, like Doc Ock or something like that, will probably fight Spider-Man, but if he sees it's getting too much, he'll bail. Kingpin's not about that. Kingpin it will go out of his way to make sure if you get into a fight with him, you're not leaving that fight unscathed. Okay, um, has Hawkeye been out long enough that we can talk about Hawkeye? I believe Hawkeye has been out long enough, and if you have not seen Hawkeye, go ahead and skip forward about, mm, we'll say a minute, two, two minutes, minutes at, at most. At most. Um, and spoiler warning, go. <laughs> is Kingpin in Hawkeye? I can't remember. Yes. I believe Kingpin, he is. Kingpin is in Hawkeye. It's, uh, I forget that actor's name, but he does a brilliant portrayal of I Kingpin. He's my favorite um, rendition of him because it's the same dude who does Kingpin for uh, Daredevil. Uh, that version of Kingpin in Hawkeye, it, who, Hawkeye is another one of his main villains, but in Hawkeye, he in particular shows up with like a white overcoat with like a tropical Hawaiian shirt underneath. It's Vincent de Onfrio. Ah, Vincent de Onfrio. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like a good villain. Oh, it's so good. But like, He's 62. Wow. Yeah. 62, super fit, would not tell by looking at him. And that's kind of in line with the character of Wilson Fisk himself. He is an older mob boss dude who's, again, not afraid to get his hands dirty. Very hands-on approach. He doesn't have superhuman strength or anything like that, but he is, like, the peak of physical strength that you can naturally get. He doesn't believe in steroids or things like that, but, like, he can, like, lift, like, a ton from just... 
I will say, <laughs> I do believe he's one of my honorable mentions in the sense of he's just a family man. He just cares about his family. Yeah, yeah, and that is his main motivation for a lot of his villainous things is he is in charge of the criminal underworld and stuff like that. He had a horrible upbringing from like an abusive father and, su- and such, uh, but he made the best of his situation and just became criminal underworld lo- lord, etc. And is in it truly just for his family he's trying to live two lives and that's kind of like his downfall a lot of the time is living that double life of being a family man with his wife and son but also wanting to still run the criminal empire because he tries to leave the criminal empire and whenever he tries to like retire and leave it all behind him some goon in one form or another really screws it up and brings his family into it again so like he keeps trying to leave the criminal life but can't get out of it which is very very good narrative and storytelling i think that's right. why Kingpin's my number four. This is the end of our little Hawkeye spoiler segment. So if you skipped over that two minutes and you hear my voice, we are not going to talk about that again. Unless. Unless. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you're number three. Let's get into it. My number three. Okay. Again, this is in no particular order. It's not that number five is better than number one. And just in case you do feel that maybe we said this in a particular order, I'm going to switch up mine really quick and say my next favorite, I think would be um, the Riddler from the most recent Robert Patterson. Batman. Yeah. Another honorable mention though. <laughs> good actor. Good actor. Fantastic. Paul Dano. Yeah. Paul Dano. <laughs> really good. Um, what I loved about that villain is, let me see how to phrase it how they use their resources for lack of a better term the riddler truly was crazy like truly every single check mark on what crazy and psychotic i feel is yeah he checked it out but what i loved is how they modernized that villain to be like a villain of the people um they use kind of like the social media reddit Mm, 4chan like those type of things to make a base of people who also believed in the same foundations and would die for those foundations. Yeah, um, so during the spoilers climax of the movie... Uh, <laughs> Wait, spoilers. If Batman. you haven't seen the Batman, just like Hawkeye, skip over about two minutes. Yeah. Um, sorry, this is a, I realized, a very spoiler-heavy episode. <laughs> I don't apologize. Watch movies, they're good. Anyway, um, so yeah, during the climax, it's... He has already been apprehended. He's been apprehended, apprehended. And so the Batman believes that he has, like, found all of the Riddler's, like, traps. Um, and the Riddler makes a comment. I don't know what the exact line is. And the Batman is like, wait, like, where is that? Like, what do you mean? Um, and the Riddler is like, oh, Batman, you're not as smart oh, as I thought you were. Um, yeah, so the Riddler is like, oh, Batman, you're not as smart as you were. And then it's come to be that, like, um... His little army of, like, internet followers... Yeah, his little army ...took over his project, fam. Yeah, and so it's like, what is it? It's like the Riddler was going to blow up, like, the different dams around the city. So the entire city all got together in one main location where they should be safe. But lo and behold, because his followers are so deep in everything that the Riddler teaches... The Riddler predicted that would happen, and so his followers come, and they um, make a scene of that area. And yeah, it was just really good. It was kind of, honestly, nerve-wracking. Scary. <laughs> Scary, but, like, how do I phrase this? Like, 
realistically nerve-wracking watching that part of the movie because his followers came and killed people and it was very intense but it was all followers he had made on social media through reddit 4chan and platforms like that and as we've seen in the u.s and i'm only stating the u.s because we live here so this is something we see every day there have been many firearm attacks that were executed by groups of people that had their beliefs fed into by those background social media channels. Mm-hmm. So it was like a very realistic approach in a sense to a villain. And I think that's why I like the Riddler so much. Cause you look at all these villains that we've been listing out and you're like, oh, but that would never happen. But this villain very much played into real life of these things do happen. And, but we're just gonna glamorize it a little bit differently for our movie. Yeah, very good. Very uh, touches bit of realism in there if you do you have anxiety about um like gun violence and things like that i would recommend not to watch the most recent the battler the the battler the batman with robert patterson just because it was like i was sitting in the movie and i was personally just really nervous during that whole scene especially because i think it was the first batman that there was a shooting at a theater yeah um so if that's something that gives you anxiety or stresses you out just go ahead and skip that movie you'll be fine it's a good one but it's not worth your mental yeah what is your number what are we on three Uh, three yeah my number three is ha 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 one of the most real life evils of all corporations (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh mine's not a real life corporation it is um umbrella corp or otherwise known as just umbrella this is the main villain antagonist of the Resident Evil series. It's another video game. Um, Is that the one where everyone is like destined to die in a certain way? Or is that a different? Don't know. They don't really have prophecies and stuff like that. Um, Umbrella Corp is kind of like a global pharmaceutical company that everybody and everyone uses. And they are responsible for a zombie outbreak that infects the entire world because they got greedy and were trying to figure out like cloning so that they didn't actually have to hire new employees. They could just literally work their employees to death and then clone them. And wow. then have them keep working. And so if an employee quit, it doesn't matter because yeah. they already have a clone. Yeah, they have your DNA. They can just make a clone of you. Anyway, that didn't work. Um, there have been a lot of outbreaks from their different corporations and stuff like that. Um, most notable in the games is Raccoon City, which ended up having to be, like, nuked. <laughs> um, but in the most recent game, Resident Evil Village, that's kind of, like, a big pivotal point and plot twist of the, sh- of the game is because you are in middle of nowhere like Transylvania type of place with just little like sheep herding community in a giant looming castle in the background and you think uh, while playing the game oh this is weird there's just actual vampires in this world and stuff it's always a Transylvania type of place yeah but then throughout the progression of the game you learn oh this isn't just happenstance vampires are real in this world it's no umbrella corp purposefully infected this little town and fed them and like uh hypnotized them all into thinking that these this vampire castle has been here forever to just kind of as a social experiment see what happens the answer is everyone kind of became as like vampiric werewolf type people and just kind of tore each other apart so like that's kind of like the monsters that are attacking you throughout the whole game, you realize too late of, oh, dip, these are just normal villagers who didn't choose to attack me, but now they very much are, and I'm fighting for my life to survive. But it's a horror video game franchise. I love it a lot. I This is what I was talking about earlier when I said, man, rereading this wants me to play 
another game again, even though I'm very much into a Legend of Zelda game currently. Uh, but yeah, Resident Evil's villain, Umbrella Corp. And is Resident Evil a game that has multiple, like, very... Because, like, you're playing Red Dead Redemption 2 right now. Is that a game that has multiple games, or...? Yeah, uh, yeah. so Resident Evil is a series. Um, oh, gosh, they have a bunch of games. And is Umbrella Corp the villain in the entire series, or is it just a specific... Um, they are they're at least referenced in every single game. It all it usually more or less is going to tie back to either someone who is like the CEO of Umbrella Corp or employees of Umbrella Corp or just Umbrella Corp caused the bad scenario with the monsters that you're dealing with in whichever game you're playing. The games can change from either you're locked in a single house trying to survive, or you're in a city trying to survive zombies and stuff attacking you. Or in Resident Evil Village, the newest one, you are surviving Transylvania-style horror movie, basically, with four different main villains you're facing who are all tied to Umbrella Corp. Thank you, Umbrella Corp. <laughs> Oh, right. Wow, that's intense. <laughs> yeah. But that is all I have for Umbrella Court. Who is your number two? Okay, it's been a long time since I last actually watched the show that my number two is in, so I have to pull up my notes for this one. Um, but my number two is Zaheer from The Legend of Korra. Oh, dip. Oh, man, that's good. Can I change my, <laughs> Can I change my list? Is it too late? Yeah, I guess <laughs> there, you have two villains left. If there's one that you don't want to talk about and you just want to join in with me on this one, we can do that. No, you, you take it away. You'll take it away. I love Zaheer. He's a <laughs> S-tier villain. Yeah. So it's There's been, a lot. <laughs> it's been like two or three years since we last watched Legend of Korra. Um, so his little parts are gone from my brain. Um, it's not necessarily Zaheer, but one of the things I think of when I think of Zaheer is like he, one of his accomplices was like his romantic lover. Yeah. And that accomplice had an eye in their head that they could like shoot like explosions from. Yeah. And in... Real quick, I feel like we need to explain. So Legend of Korra <laughs> is the series that follows Avatar The Last Airbender. It's the same animation studio and everything. And this story, Korra is the new Avatar. She took out over after Avatar Aang passed away. Aang is dead. Um, Zuko is... No, no Zuko's Zuko. alive. All the, the rest the brother. is... Isn't Sokka is dead, Sokka's yes. dead. The rest are more or less alive. Um... And Zaheer is like season three of He's Korra. Season three. season three of Korra. And Korra has good villains in every single season. And most of the time, you don't see who they're coming Honestly, until about halfway through the season. It was really hard for me not to just do every single villain <laughs> from the Legend of Korra. I think we need to start a rewatch today after this, after, after Stranger Things. I will say, Stranger Things came out this past week. We are on episode six. Yes. Um, very good. Very good. I feel like this season is the scariest out of all of their yeah. past seasons. Yeah, terrifying. Uh, but let's get Zaheer. Zaheer and Korra. <laughs> let's focus on that. Um, Zaheer. So Zaheer is a villain that isn't... I feel like all my villains have been like this today. Um, but it's just because I really like this trope. He isn't a true villain in the sense. All he wants is freedom for everyone. But his means of getting freedom for everyone is killing everyone in, in power. power. Yeah. Um, so they believe in total, his organization believes in total anarchy, meaning no governments, no people telling you what to do or how to live, just absolute chaos and people being 
people. He just wants everyone to be themselves and do what yeah. you want. You can't and be told so what to do. And so I was looking into Polygon because Polygon did like a nice little article yeah. on all the villains from Korra. And what I really like is how they started off as a here's thing. And let me just read this really quick. Um, in the first paragraph of this, it says a quote and it says true freedom can only be achieved when oppressive governments are torn down. That's the end of the quote. And then the rest of um, Polygon's intro paragraph is these words read like a message sharpied onto a cardboard protest sign. <laughs> but in season three of The Legend of Korra, they're spoken by the antagonist Zaheer. Yeah. So <laughs> pretty good way. Um, Zaheer, as we said, just kind of believes in true anarchy. He goes... He wanted to kill Korra when she was in the Avatar state because he feels like she is a symbol of everything he despises because mm-hmm. the Avatar is deemed like the leader, the hero of everyone. So he wanted to kill her in the Avatar state so that way there would no longer be any more Avatars. Yeah. Yeah. And so I will say The Legend of Korra in comparison to Avatar The Last Airbender is a lot more explicit when it comes to violence. It's still ranked as like a kid show, but the deaths are a lot more. And speaking of the deaths, I'm going to go back into what I was talking about. Yeah. Um, Zaheer's girlfriend. <laughs> Zaheer's girlfriend. Her name was Pai Lee. I believe that was her name. If it's wrong, I, again, it's been a long time. I'm reading off of Polygon's website for this right now. Um, she had an eye in her head that she could shoot out like explosions from, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And in a battle against Korra and some metal benders, Pili shot her like explosion beam, but in the like second that she shot it they threw a metal bowl around her head yeah and then they turned away implying that she exploded her own head to death yeah (laughs) violent very violent but not shown on camera as it is a nickelodeon show (laughs) yeah and this death kind of like i feel urged zaheer to be even more angry but zaheer's thing was also just he wanted to be like an ultimate airbender as well. He is an airbender, um, but he was having issues like accomplishing like a really high standard of being that yeah. type of airbender. It was like true enlightenment and from a specific monk and the monk's teachings and the rumor in the world was like he could fly and never touch the ground during the like the last 60 years of his life because he lost all earthly attachment. And so going into what I was yes. about to say... <laughs> He was able to achieve that because the only thing that had him attached to the earth was his girlfriend. But once she died, he was able to achieve that. Just an amazing villain. Um, He is by far stronger than Korra, not only in strength, but in mental capacity. He's able to get into her head and kind of destroy her for half of the season. Half of her that season of season three is just Korra learning how to be an airbender again Mm -hmm. because he really like scared her and just shocked her. So amazing villain. Again, one of those weird villains where you're watching them and you're like, oh, I agree with what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't agree with killing people. Polygon's article that I was basing this off then just kind of goes into a little bit more of kind of the technicalities of all villains. So I'm not going to go into that because it like goes more into a political sense, but just amazing, all powerful guy um, who won't like kill an innocent child, but who will kill a cop who is detaining an innocent child. Yeah. So that is my number three. No, my number, number two. two. That is my number two. I love Zaheer. We need to rewatch Korra after yeah. Stranger Things. What is your number two? My number two, along the same veins of just 
Well, it's a different vein. Uh, my number two is a villain who I chose him because he's just nasty. His name is Slade Joseph Wilson. And you know Slade because he Titans. is in Teen Titans. <gasps> He oh is my goodness. a menace. <laughs> I love I him. I wish I did this. Oh, Teen Titans is so good. I yes. can't think of villains. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so Teen, uh, Slade is like the main antagonist, specifically to Robin, but to all of the Teen Titans. He is in charge of... Well, Robin's like his ploy. Robin mm-hmm. is kind of his string in the making of the Teen Titans because he's able to deceive him so well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he does this deception through his HIVE. Hive Academy. Um, oh, that's like the foil to the Teen Titans, yeah, right? With yeah. like the oh, what's her name? The girl with the pink hair, who's like the foil to Starfire. I want to yeah. say, yeah, <laughs> yes. So <laughs> Slade, like I said, is a menace. He really digs into all of them and plays not just physical abuse to the Teen Titans when he's fighting them, but also will play psychological warfare with all of them. The Teen Titans you're referencing didn't have a true ending, right? Like, they just stopped in the middle of one of their yes. seasons. Yes, unfortunately, ah, correct. That's right. And that was, like, the peak of the Slade arc because it had to do with Terra, Beast Boy's girlfriend. Yes. Um, so the reason for Slade's obsession with the Teen Titans is all because of Robin. He sees a lot of potential in Robin as, you know, Robin's trained by Batman. Slade sees his immense skill and wants to take Robin to be his personal apprentice and train Robin to be a hitman like he is. That's the entire purpose for everything he does is to fight and take down Robin to such a low point that Robin has no choice but to join him. And to take down, like, the Teen Titans. And the like, Teen Titans. Slade wants to be, like, the ultimate force in that world, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and Slade has a couple of really, really, really... Nasty? Nasty. <laughs> yeah, he's got a real, really nasty moments. Uh, the few that pop into my mind is first a quote that says... I am the thing that keeps you up at night, the evil that haunts every dark corner of your mind. I will never rest, and neither will you, he says, as he's, like, beating into the Teen Titans one by one from the shadows, just attacking them. If you haven't seen Teen Titans, I feel like the character design for Slade is very intense as well. He wears an all-black suit with metallic bits around... They're basically just, like, metallic shields around, like, I guess, every vital part, and then his face is a copper mask covering his face. Um, Not with a hole for the mouth, but with slits cut vertically off, like where the mouth would be. Yeah, like half a hockey mask, basically. Like half a hockey mask. And I want to say his entire mask is copper, but he's usually shown in the shadows. Um, So half the other mask, half is black. So it's kind of unsure if the entire mask is copper Mm -hmm. uh, or if it's half black half it is half that is traditionally his in the comics and stuff is it's literally just half a hockey mask and the other half oh man he also has a pretty good um reign over raven doesn't he he's able to really get into her mind in quite a bit of the episodes and kind of take over her emotional peace powers yeah um because he sees that his main objective is Robin, but he needs to keep the other Titans occupied. So a lot of the times he does get into Raven's mind first because she's the strongest Titan and he, she, he just lets her go off and attack the others, basically. I know Slade has kind of personally gone for Robin, Raven, and Cyborg. 
Has he really gone after Starfire or Beast Boy at all, or like yeah. the other three, his main? No, no, he's gone after everybody. He's targeted each of them specifically at one point or another during the show. My favorite bit is there's a specific episode where he really gets into all the Titans' minds, makes them all uh, hate each other. They have kind of a falling out. And while they have a falling out... Is that the puppet episode, or is no, that a different that's a, one? that's a different villain. Uh, but Slade ends up hunting them all down one by one and beating them up. And then when he... For the purpose of beating them all up was to get Robin's attention because he just couldn't find Robin. So eventually, Robin tracks him down after he, like, sent Cyborg and Beast Boy to the hospital. Robin's like, I gotta get revenge for my buddies. Tracks Slade down where Slade then proceeds to beat the crap out of Robin on top of the roof... Um, but the the roofing that they're on like gives away and Robin starts to fall and Slade reaches out, grabs Robin's hand and pulls him back onto the to the roof to which Robin looks at him very confused and is like, Is it whenever wait. he's like, wait, I'm not done with you yet or something yeah! like that? <laughs> right? And Robin's like, what, what? You saved me. Why did you do that? And Slade's response is, I'm not done teaching you a lesson. And then he pulls yeah. Robin up and continues punching and beating him up. He it's so brutal. I love it. a Bane vibe in yeah. a sense. He very much reminds me of Batman's Bane and just how intense and how I will break every single bone of your body, fix it, and then re-break them again. Yes, exactly. And that's his whole point is like that's what he's trying to do he has no issues killing people he actually wants to kill but he doesn't want to kill the titans he wants to build he them he wants to take over the titans he wants to sense. take over the titans build them up and make them his little henchmen that do his bidding is what his purpose is and i think it's a phenomenal villain and that was my number two who is slade owned by like if it were to be revamped would that be a marvel or what would that be that is a dc slade is slade uh he has another name called deathstroke uh, that's his other name. He is in Archer, Arrow? What's it Arrow. called? Arrow. He's the main antagonist of Arrow. He fights Batman a lot of the time. He, like I said, fights the Teen Titans a lot, oh, a lot okay. of the so time. Oh, okay, so like Arrow, The Flash, and Supergirl, those are all like DC things. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All DC. Right. Yep. Oh, gosh. Slade, Slade Wilson. Very good. It, Slade reminds me of the Teen Titans do like their spinoff movies, like the Japan movie, mm. um, where there's the monster that takes all the ink from all the comic books and he's vicious. Yeah. <laughs> Teen Titans are just really good. Might, might have to do an episode on that. Okay. My number one. Now, I might get fought on this one a little bit, but if you do Google it, she is objectively a villain um, and I am going to talk about Entrapta from She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Oh, the little nerd. Yeah. She's the tinkerer one, right? She's the tinkerer. Entrapta's ah! <laughs> whole thing is just the pursuit of science and wanting to find more knowledge. She, she starts off on the good side um, with all of the other princesses, and they are trying to fight Hordak, who is wanting to um, obliterate them and kind of make his own army and his own world. Hordak has more of what he's going to do. I really respect that series, so I'm not going to spoil what his plan is. Yeah, go um, watch She-Ra. Go watch She-Ra. Amazing. But at some point, Entrapta is a tinkerer. She, like, walks on, like, a spider-like device, if I remember correctly. Um, She has long purple hair. At some point, she gets captured by Hordak and the villains, and he becomes fascinated by her pursuit of knowledge. And he's able, and he's just like talking to her about her plan. And she's like, wait a second, I want to join. Yeah. <laughs> and so she starts helping him and she isn't being held against her will or anything. Like she actively does just want to help him so that way she can also learn what he's learning. And what I love about this villain 
she isn't inherently bad. It's my favorite trope of like the pursuit of knowledge, but being so invested in what you're learning that you're willing to go to any length to find what the true answer is. And that's why she is one of my favorite villains because she isn't a bad person. She just wants to know the answers and will do anything she needs to do to learn more. And isn't that the ultimate villain in this world? Knowledge. Knowledge. (laughs) It's a burden and a curse. Fantastic. That is an excellent number one. Dang. I didn't even think of the She-Ra villains. They... Oh, that's a good series, too. Oh, man, we're, we're just going to have to start re-watching all of our old shows. <laughs> awesome. My number one is a big bad. Probably one of the biggest bads out there. It is none other than... Dun, 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 dun. The shark. Batman? Uh, my villain is Darth Vader. <laughs> also known as Anakin Skywalker, but Darth Vader is my favorite villain. He is... So uh, is he, like, your actual number one, your yeah. favorite, the best villain to you? Yeah, he's so dramatic for no reason. The dude wears an all-black outfit with a black helmet and the black cape and everything. So, like, it has, like, the technology that keeps him alive and, like, able to breathe and stuff like that. But in the, you don't really see it a lot in, like, the traditional, original, like, trilogy or prequels or anything like that. But you see it... A lot, a lot in the books and in the in video games about Star Wars is just Darth Vader being overly dramatic for no reason. My favorite one I've seen... I am your father. Exactly! He didn't need to cut off his hand and then say that. He just decided to do it, which is dramatic as all else. But my favorite dramatic thing he's ever done is using the Force... He has gone outside of his ship in space and is using the force to pilot his ship with his lightsaber out, throws his lightsaber at another ship, recalls the lightsaber, puts it away, and then uses the force while still flying himself, (laughs) grabs a second ship, and crashes it into a third ship. He is a menace who hunts down any Jedi or anybody who resists the Empire and takes them and shows them... A swift and merciful death, if you're lucky. <laughs> and of course, he has his ever dramatic force choke that he does whenever a subordinate speaks, dares to speak out against Lord Vader. He will simply hold them up and just <sighs> crush and clench his fist, and then they choke to death, and it's fantastic and brutal and dramatic, and he doesn't need to be dramatic. <laughs> He's already an intimidating force. He's just doing it for the lulls, I believe. Um,. Oh, man, I really... You know what? I don't wish that I knew more about the Star Wars universe because I don't necessarily care about the Star Wars universe. I don't care at all. I do wish I knew more about it so I could contribute more to this. Um, But did Darth Vader start bad or was he born bad? No. Darth Vader started off good. He was Anakin Skywalker. who He was his dad. Wait, no, he was Luke's dad. Yes, he's Luke's father. He was... Uh, Darth Vader was born Anakin Skywalker. He was born a slave on the planet of Tatooine. It's a desert planet. Him and his mother were both slaves. Uh, Through happenstance, two Jedi come to his planet. They see him and his mom. His mom speaks to the Jedi because she's like, hey, can you take him with you? I think there's something special about him. I always knew there was something special about him. And to which they respond with, oh, let's do our Jedi test on him to see if he has it, what it takes to be a Jedi. And they do the little blood test, 
and he has more midichlorians than ever before seen. <laughs> uh, basically, he just has more mitochondria in his cell than anybody else in the galaxy that the they've ever seen. The true alien. <laughs> yeah, and Star Wars is weird. There's a lot to it, and it's been retconned a couple of times. But basically, he was very strong in the Force. The two Jedi learned that he was very strong in the Force. They won a race. They paid off his slave debt. Technically, Anakin isn't free. He just now belongs to a different person, uh, but is given his freedom and is turned into a Padawan who grows up as a, a Jedi. A Padawan's like a young one, like yeah. my Padawan. Like yeah, a, there's a master like, and a Padawan. Like a kid, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's trained to be a Jedi master, and he does that through various... Either just the, the either just the movies or also seen in the Clone Wars. That's kind of that whole story is the Clone Wars is Anakin growing up and stuff like that. Anyway, long story short, he be ends up becoming a villain for the simple reason of he fell in love with Padme Amidala. In the Jedi Order, you are not allowed to have relations. Kind of like um, Zaheer's whole thing of like no earthly attachments. Yeah. That's kind of like the same thinking with the Jedi Order of if you have attachments, that will make you weak and distract you from what's truly important. So uh, Anakin and Padme get together. They have children. It's learned by the Jedi Council that he did this. And they're like, hey, you can't be a Jedi Master anymore. To which he goes... Donk this, you don't know anything. I'm going to go hang out with the Sith then. Because the Sith told me I'm allowed to love. And the Jedi go, what? No, don't. But it's too late. And he becomes a bad guy. He kills all the other Padawans. He kills a lot of the Masters. And then it's basically just him and the Emperor are the only Sith. Then there's no Jedi left. Because he wiped them all out. Because Darth Vader, like I said, is, as previously mentioned, the most powerful Jedi that ever existed but because he turned away from the Jedi Order, he is maybe not the most powerful Sith, but definitely is the most powerful user of the Force that we've seen in the Star Wars universe. I was going to say, Darth Vader, that reminds me. I There's this really cute book um, called Darth Vader and Son by Jeffrey Brown, and he, I guess, I think, what's, he has a sequel talk called Darth Vader and Friends um, <laughs> by Jeffrey Brown, and it's just these really cute comments of Darth Vader being a father, being a friend, and one of his little comics that I, I was able to pull up immediately is, it's like the back of his book, and it's like, laugh at the trials and joy of parenting through the lens of a galaxy far, far, far away. <laughs> and it's Darth Vader being, it's Luke as a child with his toys, and it's Darth Vader saying, Luke, pick up your toys right this instant. I, Luke, I am your father. <laughs> Do you want a timeout? <laughs> and just the kid ignoring him. But that's, it's just a really acute comic. And I know that we're talking about Darth Vader is a big scary villain, but he's also a father. Yeah, <laughs> he is. And that's ultimately, uh, Darth Vader does die. And what brings him back to the light side is Luke. And him realizing, this is my boy, this is my child, why am I hurting my child in the name of the Empire? And he ends up choosing good in the end, and ends up striking down the Emperor, and saves the galaxy and stuff. All because of family. And that's my top five villains. And I think that was all of yours as well. That was all of mine, so I think we're done with the top five series. Yeah, so I think we're just going to go back to normal episodes next week. But I think that'll do it here from all of us here at Earworms to You. Until next time, bye bye. -bye.